0: Good morning, and maybe it's good afternoon for you, or maybe it's good evening. My name is Vivian Aqua, the workplace wellness advocate, and I advise managers with keeping their people healthy, happy, and safe. And today will be a full panel because we have so much to share, and it has to do with a uh, prediction that the, all of us made last year uh, for MHR, and it was about the future of work i plan to do a remix session because we didn't anticipate COVID. we didn't anticipate the lockdown so i'm going to introduce my panel members one by one and unmute them one by one so that they can uh, join in this conversation so the first one is andrew watson chief technology officer of mhr let me see where andrew is and the second one is mark williams he is a senior vice president of product and um, Catherine Kirgis, I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing it right, then please help me, Catherine. That's um, okay, <laughs> she's a learning and performance specialist at Kika Training. And Gary Turner, he is the creator and the host of Value True Vulnerability Podcast. And last but not least, is Rob Hint, and Rob is the chairman and director at. HR in Law. Welcome all. Are you excited? Yay. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
1: absolutely.
0: So today it will be the remix of the world of work and it's going to be about our 2020 predictions. Uh, from the panel of experts and um, the first question that I'm going to ask is the first question for the, the top of the tree so what is the one trend that you expect to see across all businesses and industries in 2020 and I think that we have to add it 21 as well um, I'll start with Andrew
2: Okay. Um yeah it's, um, it's been an interesting time and I think what we've seen is uh, we've got plenty of communication tools, but not all of them do the jobs we want. So we've got plenty of these kind of tools, brilliant for certain situations. But what we found is with all the remote working, it's much harder to get real insights into what your workforce are doing. And we need better ways of doing that. We've seen a rise in, in interest in social and collaboration tools. But it's still a little bit one way. So I think the trend will continue with the ways we, we can get out to the workforce. I still think that bots will be important to us to uh, as a method of, of gathering information from our employees and then using that data. So a lot more real time information from employees to understand what they're doing. And I think we'll, we'll see a, a, an awful lot more work in that, but we have to accept that We've got two different types of organizations. We've got the ones that accepted this kind of and got on with it quite well um, and just switched to remote working.
0: But they seem that those ones are more likely prepared for remote working, right?
2: Well, they're prepared for remote working, but they've now got the challenges of Mm -hmm. what's the balance when we get back? And they've probably seen an uprise in tool sets. Um, So they're going to have to work out the balance for what those tool sets need to be when some people are back in the office and some people are still remote. So that's gonna be, be an interesting time as you sort of pull all that together. And then you've got those that didn't cope so well and weren't quite ready. And their challenge will be actually implementing a lot of this stuff from the start. So they're gonna to have to play catch up. Because I think we're in a new world. These kind of situations are gonna happen again. Um, and uh, they're gonna to have to react quicker. You won't get a second chance.
0: And Rob, I
1: I've, I have um, I have hopes, but I have worries and concerns as well. I must admit. Um, looking at my answer to the first question back at the end of last year, my main concern was you know, the Brexit in terms of uh, the commercial world and the potential skill shortage. Um, I've been hugely impressed by how organisations have developed the agility and flexibility and i hope that outlasts the current crisis because you know crises generally demand agility and i think organizations have responded to this really well and quicker than governments in fact certainly in certain countries and crises generally ignite innovation Uh, you know if you go back and look at the how NASA performed in trying to get the Apollo 13 guys home following the explosion on board. Look at the the current situation where companies like Dyson and Formula One companies have completely re-diversified and have produced sort of ventilators within within months to the crisis. So I think companies have broken the typical bureaucracies uh, to get stuff done by the workers and down the line. And I think stuff is getting done and is being delegated to line managers. And whereas in normal working times, we're making five key decisions about innovation and development in in a month. We're now making, companies are now making five a day across across their companies. But the worry is that, you know, once the crisis is over, we'll return to the traditional command and control techniques until the next crisis so uh, yeah i would like to see companies maintaining agile systems i think working remotely is very important with all of the you know stresses and strains and well-being issues that it brings in certain sectors the service industries and uh, and uh, professional services will will be working remotely and from home for a long time to come certainly for the rest of this year and in 2021 so whilst i hope that we maintain the current rate of development and innovation um, i do hope that we don't lose that loving feeling uh, which has you know brought great communications and connection with workforces working remotely uh, and once companies get back to a semblance of normal, and once they're chasing new business and contracts, I hope that all of the previous corporate tensions don't kick in.
0: I I totally agree, and I totally want to um, piggyback on what you said regarding the well-being because last year mm. I made a prediction um, that I hope that companies pay more attention to uh, the well-being of their people. And with this current state that we are in right now, everybody, it doesn't matter in what what level you are, if you're a director or if you are a mid-level employee or mid-level manager, everybody is being challenged regarding their mental health. And that's why I feel like companies um, need to find ways to provide toolkits for their employees. Um, People are also being challenged when it comes to their financial health. So also provide some toolkits where people can um, create a better financial health. Um, Another thing that I also want to um, I want to reframe, because last year I mentioned something about buildings are becoming more healthier. We are putting, you know, well standards on building and this is going to be the new it because now. People are being asked to to come back to the workplace or some people really are craving that connection. So they are coming back to the office. But then again, how is the company providing a safe and healthy workplace? And I believe that Well is doing their best to to nudge the building, to nudge building uh, owners to provide a healthy workplace where the ventilators are working properly so that, at least people have a safe feeling and uh, provide guidelines uh, to use the staircase, to use the lift, or maybe to uh, provide flexibility when it comes to working from home or working in the office. So I see uh, somebody saying hi, Josiah is saying hi. So hi Josiah from LinkedIn from Israel. And um, I'm going to the next question. Apart from economic factors, what would be the biggest influences on the challenges in 2020? And I'll
3: start with Mark. Um, much the same as, as Rob and Andrew were talking about, I think. Uh, I mean, because there's so many remote workers and with and most people are looking at kind of teams A and B and, and interchanging those, we don't know whether there's going to be another spike. So we know that's going to be a kind of long longer term thing. And I think most industries will start working like technical industries work now. So I think, it, it, so as Rob was saying, agile will be much more of a standard thing. Um, you're much much likely to have the rhythm of it with a stand up in the morning, so that everybody knows. But I think the key bit, and the, the bit as I was reading through the questions, that kept, I kept coming back to is the clarity of goals. Setting goals is going to be setting very clear goals and letting people get on with it is going to be absolutely key to the whole of this next period. And we don't do it very I, I well. Have to, I
0: have to say something. What do you mean with letting people get on with it? Is that an autonomy thing that you're referring yeah, to?
3: Yeah, so try not to micromanage. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll talk a bit more about micromanaging kind of a bit later on, but, but, mm-hmm. but I think that the, the danger is because if the trust isn't there or, yeah. or, or not getting, and because productivity and leanness are gonna be so important, that managers will be super sensitive to you know that they'll be wanting to to make sure everything gets done so they've got a pressure from the kind of the top of the business and they have to mitigate it for everybody else and try and be calm and let people get on with it but which is difficult you know managers get a hard time I think because that's that's a real difficult um balance to take but I think the key to kind of creating that balance is the clarity is making sure that clarity of agreed goals and then you know just a, a, a very you know andrew will andrew will know that the productivity at mhr didn't go down in the in the engineering department and and that's because we've already got in place that kind of uh, feedback loop and just letting people get on with it so i think that's going to be really important yeah
0: catherine
4: Yeah, um, I can only agree with Mark. And and for me, nothing much has changed from my previous answer because it is all about trusting your employees. Um, Last year, I said that it would be the ability to implement structures that provide employees with that trust um, with more freedom to do their job in a way they see fit. And um, this was always going to pose a big challenge uh, if companies, for example, struggled to let go of uh, and distribute power. But I think what happened in in the first half of this year has kind of sped up that whole thing because now the challenge will be um, kind of like getting back on track but also looking forward and really figuring out a a sustainable way of, of working because and I know a lot of people always say that they want to go back to normal but what was back to normal back to normal means a lot of stress for people you are forced to commute you have to pretend you work 8 hours straight um it's just not sustainable so I'm I'm hoping that we are going to look into kind of a new different and, and what mark said it, it's going to be a massive challenge with managers who micromanage anyways, in the office already. And they're now even more so focused on what's my workforce doing at home? Are they really working or are they spending time with their family? Is, is that trust? I, I even
0: read an article where uh, in the States, I can only say this about the States where uh, managers have the access to their computers, to their uh, the team members' computers, where they monitor if they are doing the job. And I'm just like, okay, but who has the time to look at those things, right?
4: yeah and if you think about it, we are agiles and you know a lot of people trained for that job they went to university they they want to do a good job they want to do well um yeah. but yeah that's that's it yeah
0: gary
5: yeah it it brings up a lot of emotion in me to be honest with you like just building on what everyone else has said already so far for me vivian i think it really is this paradigm shift. If we think about where we were even eight weeks ago, mm-hmm. there were belief systems around we can't, we can't have HR finance working from home. Yeah. And within four weeks, everybody was working from home. So like these belief systems that we've held onto for generations are shattered. So I think for me, I spoke about at the end of last year around the fact that we need to be really careful that we get away from, similar to Mark, these fixed mindsets. We call it micromanagement as business language, but basically it's a fixed mindset. The belief that human beings do not have the ability to grow. Yeah, That's what fixed mindset is for me. Mm-hmm. And I think what we've now got is this massive opportunity, uh, both at business but also societal level, to truly allow every person to be seen. And we've got the technology now, like MHR, like People at First, like so many other platforms, to allow everybody to be seen. So my challenge is, you know, the leaders actually have the gumption and the courage to actually follow through with that now they've got the opportunity.
0: I would encourage every manager, every leader, every employee to really look up the TEDx from Carol Dweck regarding fixed mindset and growth mindset because this situation asks for a, a growth mindset. We need that at the moment to uh, to react agile, especially when we're, there is another wave uh, coming on, right? so. Um, it's, a, it's a, a good bridge to the next question. So what can leaders do to support their team members during this new way of working? And I'll start again with Andrew.
2: A, lot, a lot's been said already. I think it comes back to trust is, uh, is the bedrock of, of everything that we're talking about in here. And I don't mm-hmm. think that changes. So we, we've got to take that forward. Um, and I think for leaders, um, and myself included in this, it's been one of the hardest periods. I think, as Mark said, our um, software engineers at MHR haven't reduced any productivity. In fact, I'd argue that maybe they're probably a little bit more productive than they were because they haven't got somebody walking around asking them questions all the time. And it's a bit easier to to, uh, exclude themselves. And it's been much harder for the leadership team to be able to keep the information about what's going on. Um, Mm -hmm. And and it's that balance between micromanagement and just knowing generally that things are running okay. So how do we get that balance right? So um, I think, to be honest, from a leader point of view, a lot of that trust comes from us being honest with our employees about maybe how difficult we're finding it to gain that information and they will understand from our point of view then what information they they should be giving back um, because they probably need to see it from our side as well um, and, and understand those difficulties that we have. Um, we can't mm-hmm. just leave everything, Mark's right, you know, we've got to set good goals and objectives um, but they've got to be much more short term and people can just get on with that work and then we're getting the feedback very very um clear feedback about those goals and objectives can i can i
0: interrupt you a bit because um you said something that i feel like the people in the back didn't hear it and especially when it comes to short-term goals so can you repeat it again so that you know the people who might not be hearing this clearly can hear this
2: Sorry, i don't understand that question Say that again. um
0: you've said something that is worth mentioning and i want to put an emphasis on it so regarding the short-term goals you said something that i want you to repeat again that's it okay what, that we need to
2: <laughs> set the short-term goals yes. um yeah yeah um i think i think a lot of what we do is is much too long term we set mm-hmm. an objective of delivering a piece of software to do X, y, and Z or a, a delivery system. And it, it's just within those teams. And so we can break that down much more effectively. And we're pretty good at that within our agile working and our day-to-day sort of standups. But I wonder whether that gets fed down well enough across the teams. Um, and I think when someone's got a very clear objective in them, they know what they've got to deliver for that day, it makes life an awful lot more easy. Um, And if that gets fed back to us in a better way as leaders we don't have to spend as much time chasing up our employees and finding out what's going on and i think that that goes back to those tool sets that we need to actually keep track of what is going on um that would make life a lot easier and i think I it goes back to trust people then we can just let people get on
0: yeah and rob Mm.
1: No, I I agree with Andrew. I mean, I come from a background in um, HR within the legal sector and professional services where um, uh, historically short-term profit and gain has always been the main commercial driver. And that that does worry me in terms of uh, how organisations, particularly within service sectors, will treat their people fairly and equally um as you know as real stakeholders in the business and not just as yeah, tools for profit mm-hmm. i think we yes there has been a there's been an increase in transparency of communications within organizations and therefore the trust element with people working from home uh but it's a you know we're all we're all to an extent in results results based industries and sectors. So, um, I think there's still a lot of pain and suffering to come. Um, you know, we've got the furlough scheme in the UK, which and the um, which is you know, government funded. Uh, I wait with bated breath to see what will happen within organizations who are going to be managing the change and organizational change within their companies When once that comes to an end.
0: What are you fearing uh, for? What, what is your fear, your biggest fear regarding this?
1: Well, I just fear swathes of uh, casualties and redundancies within organizations who, who have without doubt been hit tremendously um, financially. Uh, we're you know we're slightly more fortunate in the in the service sector and industries because we've been able to function working from home but those in-person sectors such as retail catering mm-hmm. hospitality uh, who have been hugely hugely hit during this crisis um, have, are being yeah, you know, supported by the government scheme at the moment so um you know i think we there is a lot of pain and suffering still still to come come our way and come the way of uh, employees unfortunately
0: yeah i i totally agree and i want to um because you you all mentioned something about Um, supporting team members while um, doing the new way of working Mm. so i want to say something else regarding supporting those who are made redundant who are um who are being financially challenged and even though you have made somebody redundant um, know that you can create an ambassador for life if you do that respectfully Mm. if you give them something to do or a package where they can uh, upskill their their talents or upskill their skills or learn something new to become um, to find a job during these um, economical challenging times. Um, I feel there is so much <coughs> to do when it comes to l and d. And there's definitely something that I think that um, Uber did, or at least an American huge company did. Um, for the people that they made redundant, they at least uh, paid their, their health care for one year, but also they are, were allowed to access an online, uh, online learning platform. So find ways to help those who are out of jobs and yeah. um, maybe they might be coming up in, as an ambassador within a few years in your company. You never know or they speak uh, positive about your company. So please find ways to do that humanize and to help them in that transition
2: i think yes. that that might be um something that we come we, we see coming back a little bit about how people will assess the organizations they work for you know yeah. how, how were people treated mm. during this this
1: yeah. period yeah yeah.
2: Um, yeah and you know we're okay being furloughed but were you supported were you called regularly um
4: I mean,
2: yeah. it does lead to redundancy exactly as you say. So there will be yeah. a little bit more. Maybe not just the bright lights will attract people these days to their sort of all of the VC investments. It will be much more about okay, will we really supported as employees in that organization during mm. difficult times?
1: I think that also applies, Andrew, in the in the commercial arena and and, and the business development arena. I think MHR in particular have been very good in um you know, whilst not driving direct sales to their customers and um, and contacts you've been there yeah companies that are there to help support provide information and uh, whatever guidance and assistance throughout this crisis then they're the companies that will be remembered out there when this is all over And um,
2: Yeah,
1: yeah, people will come back to you. It's a bit like the training organization that I run. Uh, People in law, formerly HR in law, we're we're out there to support our membership at the moment and provide whatever guidance and assistance and uh, resources we we can provide.
0: I mean, that's the humanized way of of, uh, supporting others at the moment, right? And I think that people Will remember that gesture. They will remember what you did for them in a crisis, so that they know that they how how they can support you when the crisis is over. So, going to the next question, beyond technology, <laughs> how will companies deepen their connections with employees this year? And I'll start with Mark.
3: Sorry. I think. <clears throat> excuse me. I think we've touched on it before. I think sharing the financial data uh, of the organisation is going to be really important because the kind of openness of, you know, this is where we're at. Uh, And I think doing that with your workforce is is really, um, is one way that everybody can understand the situation that that you're in. Um, And also opening up the sales pipeline. A, A lot of companies don't like to say what's going on in their sales pipeline, but but I think the staff can get involved in a way that you know that if everybody knows this is the focus that we're going for, I think that's really unifying as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's you know. Sales is kind of a ooh, dirty, dirty kind of word, uh, but but I think it's really good so that everybody can be optimistic about well, this is what we're trying to do, uh, and this and this is where we're going. And, and even when it gets hard, and it will be hard for the majority of businesses. I think just having that background knowledge it even helps when, you you know, if you have to make redundancies and, and, and other things, at least you're doing it in a way that everybody understands.
0: Yeah. Instead of just firing somebody and then later saying that we otherwise had to kill the company or lose the company.
3: So, yeah, like it's a black box that, yeah. that you know, only a few people are peering into mm-hmm. uh, because uh, it's, it's just counterproductive, I think.
0: Yeah.
4: Catherine. Yeah, I think that's um, it's a really good point about being transparent, specifically about the, the sales funnel and, and unifying people in in a new purpose almost. Because if you have that purpose and if you make it clear to your employees, that comes back into what we said before, with, with really clear communication about this is what we're doing, these are the goals. And everyone having their part in that bigger picture. I mean, that that's a general thing that you should do anyways. But by having that bigger purpose, you are able to to move forward as, as kind of like a, a unity. Um, the other thing is probably that hopefully there, there will be a more compassionate approach. Um, I mean, obviously, there are companies, as you said in your example yourself, from the American company that might move the other direction and, and, and monitor more, but hopefully by by having gone through this crisis together, there will be more of an understanding for for each other and then everyone's circumstances, which hopefully has um, a connection that will last uh, beyond the crisis as well. So building these trusting relationships by by opening up mutually, so that the company opens up the transparency and and the purpose going forward. And I've seen a lot of examples where where people. Have opened up within their teams and and just you know shared a, a lot more things with them how how they are doing and and what's going on in their lives as well and that has been really really good for a lot of people so I'm I'm hoping that will that will carry beyond what's going on at the moment and will not be forgotten
0: yeah, yeah. and I I totally mm-hmm. can relate regarding that um, that you shared about. Being there for your people, because again, we have social media, we have different platforms where people share if you're not there or if you're not taking good care of them, they will express it in various ways. And that's not the thing that you want, especially during now, especially when uh, a new talent comes on board and is asking the question, how did you support your people during this crisis? They can find out.
4: Yeah, it's all about reputation. Yes, definitely.
5: Gary? Yeah, excuse me. The thing that's coming up most for me is actually around, excuse me, it is that human piece, what Catherine just spoke to. So it's great to have the tech. It's great to have the platforms. But if you haven't got human leaders listening, empathising, taking the time to know their people, we'll continue to reinforce the issues we've had the last 100 years. So I think we've got to be really, really careful and cognitant as we do re-emerge. That we are emerging together because DNI is actually more of a problem today than it was eight weeks ago. Those people that are on the fringes are even further on the fringes at the moment because they've been. It's even more difficult to access that voice. So I think it's really exciting, but it's also we need to be really cognitant that there's a really big opportunity to truly see and hear everyone. And we use it with technology and we do it as leaders. But I think that role modeling piece that Catherine spoke to, you know, are we actually showing more of our true selves? Are our leaders actually saying, I really struggled with this during the crisis? You know, that's going to build trust, that's going to build your pipeline, that's going to build your culture as you go forward, as if we have leaders showing up more fully and not hiding behind the tools and the tech. So I think the tech's important, but we don't want to allow the tech to, you know, we don't tech's meant to serve humans, not the other way around. And I think we need to be really careful that we don't rely on tech to do the job of the human
0: thank
5: you well, i think so can i pick up on
3: that maybe? so i think trust is made up of two parts it's kind of competence and character and i think so you've still got to whether the, the tech irrelevant you've still got to give people clarity about what they want to do and that's the competent oh. part you can have somebody who's very nice but you still have no idea what you're doing as a as a job you know Uh, and so it's those two things together that make that 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 make it work for an
5: employee yeah I'd love to just very quickly come back so it's actually really good timing you challenge that mark because the some of the stuff I'm looking at is actually there's four main components that underpin trust which is actually benevolence predictability ability and uh, competence as you say so there's there's actually a lot of behavioral science behind how you create trust in environments so I fully accept the challenge and I think I guess where I come through with this lens is that that heart-based part, that that benevolence part, is the bit we haven't focused on. We're focused mm-hmm. on the ability, we're focused on predictability. We haven't focused on connecting on a human level, and I think that is the gap in the trust at quotient for me. But that's mm-hmm. just my lens, and I would love to be challenged.
0: No, I'm <laughs> I'm agreeing with you because uh, that's also one of the reasons why I started this platform. Let's humanize the workplace, which was already. Uh, decreasing before COVID, and I want I wanted to you know still continue with these episodes to really uh, emphasize that now more than ever we need the human factor back in the workplace. Mm. So um, coming to the next question, what will your HR slash people focus be in 2020, and I will extend that to 2021, and I'll start with uh, Andrew.
2: Yeah, uh, so we've got the challenge of, of the situation we've got to get through and then, and then determine what the new normal is, whatever that is. So whatever we're in now is not normal. Uh, so we've got to get through that and get settled into whatever needs to be in place. Um, and the HR focus I think for me is, um, how do we make remote work truly work? Um, I, for one, I, I miss people i i i need people around me I, the, the remote stuff is all very well and yes i can we can do the video call but i kind of need a bit of the banter in the office so how do we replace that how do we mm-hmm. how do we keep that going um and bring that human element to the workplace all the time the bit of fun that needs to be there
0: would it would it be helpful to have you know um I'm I'm envisioning Star Wars where somebody's being teleported into the office where you can see somebody <laughs> hasn't had they don't have to be there to to be yeah. present but just teleport them so that you at least see a vision of them and then you can have that conversation. Would that help?
2: I don't I don't know. It's all still a bit too electronic and a bit too far out there, isn't it? <laughs> I <don't> think, uh, <laughs> you, 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 the the conversations that happen in person direct face-to-face are so much more meaningful Mm -hmm. and you properly read expressions you can properly read body language you can understand the stress the water cooler conversation yeah is just as important to me as a leader just a quick five minute two Mm -hmm. minute chat with somebody is so much more important those have Mm -hmm. all gone at the minute i'm not I'm not having those, except maybe just that very short interval at the beginning of one, a video conference when there's two people on and it happens to be the person you want to talk to. You can have a very quick, intimate. But it's not quite the same, and I don't get the body language. So from a human resources point of view and that management point of view, that's where most of my feedback comes from my employees. And you look around the office and you can see who's struggling. You can see who might need a little... Talk or a little chat. Um, we haven't got that. So how do we bring that back? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's got, that's that's going to be really important for remote workers. And how do we how do we also get the um, true innovation meetings going again? Because they don't quite work remotely. Um, the true out there thinking. I think you have to be a little bit closer together. We've got a long way to go, and I. It's way beyond twenty twenty. Yeah, um, would it be would go, it be
0: helpful to plan your meetings maybe outside or in a park? Or I'm I'm yeah. not sure. Are you allowed to uh, to gather with more than two people?
2: I think we're Europe? moving up to six from um, moving up to six shortly on okay. uh, okay. Monday. So yeah, that would help.
1: Yeah.
0: And Rob, mm.
1: well, I think um, I think HR has managed very well in terms of the. stabilizing what is suddenly a a virtual workforce everything can be done from uh, recruitment induction onboarding and all of the HR processes can be and are being carried out remotely and I think HR has stepped up to the plate in terms of um, in terms of the organisation of people working virtually within companies across the country, and they've they've done really well. But I I think that we're still in the honeymoon period of of this working from home. And what concerns me, and I'm sure Katrin will talk about it in a bit more detail and with a bit more knowledge, is uh, we need to stabilise the workforce. The wellbeing issue of working remotely is the biggest issue for me. That uh, I'm going stir fry crazy, and I work for myself and only with a couple of individuals. I miss that interaction, as Andrew said. And I think retaining well-being over a protracted, lengthy period of time is the biggest challenge that companies and HR are going to face over the next six months or a year.
0: I, I totally agree. And I, I wanted to uh, I wanted to mention something about it anyway, because I uh, read in the in an article that what the World Economic Forum shared is that um, the World Health Organization already shared that the next pandemic will not be COVID. It will be burnout and it will yeah. be stress. Stress and burnout is going to be over the roof. And uh, you have to be mindful that, okay, people are dealing with this new normal and they are working from home. They are doing their best to get the job done. But what you don't know is the moment that they shut down their computer, how are they? Are they tired? Are they feeling stressed? Are they feeling, um, um, are, are they, you know, are their batteries empty? Because if that happens every day, week in, week out, month in, month out, they will end up burning sooner than later. And then you will see that instead of having 10 people working for you, you might be ending up with only two people working for Mm. you. So that's why I want to really emphasize, but also uh, ask managers, leaders to be mindful and provide toolkits so that people can become more resilient, especially regarding their mental well-being, but also find toolkits where they... Uh, where they can recharge themselves. We need that off time. So Andrew mentioned he wanted those coffee minutes, right? So those five minutes that you're standing uh, chatting with mm-hmm. with a colleague, these minutes are essential for us to recharge ourselves and for us to uh, become, you know, for us to do our work. And... I also want to um, add into something regarding the remote working because I've seen, I've noticed that a a lot of companies have been saving um, no more costs for traveling, Um, some some of the companies here in the Netherlands even uh, ended their contracts for uh, the office space. That's a whole lot of savings, and I am just asking just a small piece, just a small piece to invest back in the people, uh, invest in their office space, invest in their, their home office space, so that they can buy the proper chairs, the proper uh, the proper computer, the proper desktop, and even if they can borrow some of the from the workplace, do that. Provide them the provide the, the right tools for them to work in the right way so that they don't comes st- become stuck eight hours on, on their chair and at the end of the day they are of the end of the season they are going to the doctor because their back is aching or their head are aching that's a sorry
4: that's yeah it's a really good point um, about you know companies might get rid of their office spaces they have to be really careful with that though because not everyone mm-hmm. can work from home. Not everyone might have their own room they can work in. It's fair enough that, um, yes, you can buy all of the equipment, but you might have someone else already working from home. I think it needs to be about choices. If someone wants to go in the office, let them go in the office. Mm. It might just be a smaller office space. There will still be savings, but it needs to be about choices going forward. Um, Mm. Sorry, just wanted to butt in there.
2: (laughs) We saw that Google have announced they're going to have an allowance for Furniture for home workers and I think other companies will follow. But I I, I do go back to the point that this is not normal. And Mm -hmm. and the other stresses of life just aren't there at the moment. Yes, there's the the concern about what's going on with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. My situation and my children are doing their schoolwork from home. Yeah, but you have
0: older children.
2: I've got older children. There are are also
0: parents with younger children Mm -hmm. who have stressors. I'm not talking about experience. Yes, I am. (laughs) Yeah,
2: and we've seen that. And um, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not coming home and having to take my kids to the club, school clubs and whatever else they do outside of that. There's nothing else going on. So my work-life balance at the moment is probably as good as it's ever been in the fact that I'm doing exactly the same amount of hours work but I haven't got the stresses outside of work that I would normally mm-hmm. have. Yeah. Um, so I think when we get back to a situation where the other life is continuing and those other stresses are in place, it's going to be a very different situation. My kids mm-hmm. come home from school at half three, and they're nowhere near as calm as they are now when they get mm-hmm. home. And if I'm yeah. working at home, that's very hard. So there's other things to consider here about what will be the future.
1: I think there are other cases where, um, yes, with, with, with child care issues, I, I, I know a case where you know, I'm working with somebody at the moment who's having to work from half past six in the morning until two o'clock because of child care issues. Her husband works for a U- US bank so he, he's looking after the children in the morning and he then works from two o'clock till ten or midnight. So yeah there are huge stresses in arrangements like that um but I think um you know I think we're in a we're in a position to be able to control our own time and sort of working day to a certain extent but you know possibly lower down the lower down the um the sort of uh, sort of pyramid there is a blurring of work and, and 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 sort of home life where people are okay. having having to stay logged onto their computers at, yeah. until late at night for fear of for fear of you know not completing their work or you know yeah. is my boss going to be calling me and i should should i be prepared to sort of deal with this and i think a lot of people are working very very long hours yeah. sitting I, in front I, of I, their um, computer at the moment
0: I agree. And also remember that um, I also read an article about a lot of women are sacrificing their careers to stay at home because they can't balance, you know, teaching the, the kids and also working at the time. So a lot of women had said they want to work less hours or even said goodbye um, to working because of this situation. And this is this was bringing back how are we still maintaining the traditional roles? in the in in home so I'm also looking at the guys not these guys but just the guys in general to support your spouses during this these challenging times as well so um, next question for the for mark um, what do you hope leaders managers will learn from this new way of working
3: um well before I answer specifically the question uh, it's it's very unusual that a crisis will bring in a change of behavior Mm
1: -hmm.
3: normally it just locks in what the behavior was before the crisis yeah and so Mm -hmm. if leaders were already forward-thinking empathic then they tend to kind of lead that through it's very unusual for leaders to then have a crisis and change in the middle of that crisis where the pressure is is on um, so, so I think although we we're hopeful about how people will react to the crisis, I also I also think it depends on how long it goes on. If mm-hmm. there's if this is the kind of the end of the first wave, if the end of the first wave is it, then I think people can quite easily just think ah, that was just an anomaly. Mm-hmm. We don't have to change behaviour. But I think if it keep, you know if, if this is a very long term, um, and, and by that I mean over a year. And I think we we, we will see more con- concreted behavior but I, I wanted to come back to what I was saying before it, it's not having to micromanage uh, mm-hmm. so i think I think that's going to be that's going to be one thing where where I think i I hope that people learn not to do that but in order to do that, you know why do people micromanage we need to get into the nitty gritty of it comes back to setting good goals and so if you have if you haven't got Uh, people who who are performing then how do how can you tell that and 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 without micromanagement it all comes down to clear goal setting do you understand it? have have we got a shared understanding of what i'm asking you to do Mm -hmm. and then dealing with it afterwards so i think so i think there are some structural things that we have to solve in order to end micromanagement but obviously as i say a lot of it will be will be stuck in from the start because that's the way they've always done it and it'll only be coming out of that what we were talking about before about reputation as to how you've handled a crisis I think in in high unemployment which is a period that we're going into companies don't have to say yes they don't have to be nice to their employees because they always will have employees what it will mean is when we come out of that dip people will remember Mm-hmm. and so i think there'll be a there will be a kind of binary thing going on where some companies will uh, be good to their employees be transparent they won't feel it in the short term the benefit of it necessarily but they will feel it long term and i think the opposite will happen you will get companies who just tie it down don't really give a monkeys yeah. uh, <laughs> and, and survive in the short term mm-hmm. but the long term they just don't fit into that into that
0: Actually, area yeah yeah
4: that's yeah uh, there's not much i can add i guess I'm, I'm, <laughs> yes, I, <you> can. <laughs> <laughs> um i i am hoping that it, it will be that you know people can be trusted and they don't have to be chained to their desks from from nine to five but maybe shifting away the focus from from the whole crisis as well as last year I, I did say that uh, the future workforce they don't, they won't put up with micromanagement anymore. No. Um, and, you know, Mark, you rightly said, so it's unfortunately this whole crisis has shifted to perspective from it was going, this year was going to be um, kind of like a more of a, an employee picks their employer kind of thing, yeah. where they could really ask, "What? why should I work for you? What's your unique selling point for my talent to be employed by you? But this will come, it will come. Um, And as you said, as well, it might take a while longer now, but companies will really need to shift their focus on how can they attract new talent, but more importantly for me is that how can they retain their talent? Mm -hmm. How can they retain the people? And it really comes back to that compassion piece of hopefully they have learned a bit more about their employees. Hopefully they have asked questions other than how are you doing, expecting the same old answer. Yeah, I'm good. Going into a bit more detail. What are you struggling with? What's going on outside of work for you? How are you dealing with the kids, the dogs, the, the spouses? Have you murdered each other already? Stuff like that. And hopefully that connection stays. Um, mm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really hoping that we will go through a lot more things this year. Um, I'm not hoping for that. I know we we will go, even if the crisis ends. Um, I don't know at the end of next month. Everything goes kind of back to normal in certain areas. the The second part of the year, we will still go through a lot of things. And and Vivian, as you said, kind of looking into 2021. Yeah, um, we we will probably have to deal with a lot more changes on the way, but hopefully coming out of this as as human society, we will have grown a bit with this, a lot of us hopefully. Yeah. I
0: hope so. And Gary.
5: Yeah, really to echo Katrin's point, really, I I just, the thing I can see, I think it's a lot about co-creation. I want to pull some of Mark's comments and Katrin's together really is that I think part of the move towards less micromanagement as well as what Mark said is actually co-creating the future. So it's not about leadership having to say, we're going this direction. But it also takes accountability from those across the organization. So I see the organization structure flipping more left and right, rather than top and down, and almost having this more left and right communication, iteration, flip communication. And I'm seeing good examples of that happening. And I think that's a really conscious thing to have to do though. And I think what we're all talking about, I feel today, is are we going to stay conscious? Because that's what we are right now mm-hmm. at this critical time. And are we going to wander back into unconscious situations mm-hmm. in two, three, four weeks' time? Or are we going to take the accountability, both individually and collectively, to stay awake? Like, and that's what's going on right now for me, is actually the business has to be done 100%. But there is a consciousness shift. There is an awakening. going to sound a bit spiritual now, but there are people that are looking inside themselves right now going, am I in the right job? Am I with mm-hmm. the right partner? Do I wanna be doing this the rest of my life? There it's is, a reflection I, period. It's, it's huge, re- yeah. but yeah. there's friends of mine, there's family of mine, there's work colleagues. So yes, absolutely. Unfortunately, that power is going back to the employer. Not, in, not unfortunately, the balance is swinging back yeah. um, in the short term, but we've all got a responsibility to keep this conscious conversation going. And I think co-creation is a key part of this because we are, we are innately agile. We are innately connected, mm. we are innately well, before we start getting afraid and fearful and hiding and all of these other dysfunctions that happen in the workplace. So if we can just meet with each other where we're at more often, and that's side by side, not up and down, I truly believe that behavior change can stick, but it's gonna take every one of us being conscious and not falling back into that
4: trap. Yeah, Bye, Jerry. I agree, I think responsibility is a really good point here because, it's not the it's not the sole responsibility of employers to change what's going forward. If you involve your employees, you can you know you, you don't have to stress out over what do we do going forward? How can I make it good for everyone? Just involve people and and you will be off a lot better going forward.
2: I just wanted to ask Gary a question. Um, you made that point about you know we are innately um, quite agile uh, as humans. Um, The danger is in the workplace, we sometimes get very stale. We get, you know, the norm sets in. I think obviously when the pandemic first hit, there was a lot of uncertainty. And then we went through that period of moving into the remote working and actually it went really well. And I think people, you you know, do work well in a crisis um, and they do cope with change. And actually the change, if you get the change levels right in an organization, it drives better behavior. I'm not saying we need a pandemic and we don't need this sort of <laughs> disasters all the time, but we do need a constant challenge. And I think what this has shown for, for leaders as well is, is to get that balance right into driving, I just wondered if, you know, driving that, that kind of change all the time and, and just keeping it um, a little bit edgy. I wonder what your thoughts on that,
5: If I may come back on that, Vivian. So I think absolutely, mm-hmm. but, I, but I think there's a really fine line between stretch and stress yeah. And that's what we need to be a cogniz- cognizant again of is, and again, how do you know if our people, Andrew, are feeling stressed or stressed or stretched? You've got to talk to them, yeah. right? And I think that's been the gap, is change is done to people far too often. They're not, they're not taken with, with them on the journey. And funny enough, I'm, if they don't mind me saying, I'm actually writing a book called Change is an Inside Job about this very topic <laughs> right now, because through my own lived experience, just to share very quickly, you know, I was bullied as a kid, self-harmed at uni, like none of that matters, but there's stories I told myself. And until I started acknowledging those stories, processing them and being okay to talk about them, mm-hmm. they stayed up there. So when yeah. I look at political leaders around the world, senior leaders of organizations, most of us have got stories we haven't dealt with. And that for me is the nugget between where we are and where we could be, is that ability to own our story, share our story, but also connect on a human level. Because the more we do that, then we can tap back into that innateness. I think, Andrew. The more we can just show up more fully, the more everybody else does the same.
0: True, true. I also have a comment to share, and then I think that I'm going to ask you with a final tip or something that you would share, a final thought seed that you want to plant in people's minds. So I'm going to share this, and in the meantime, you can uh, think about your thought seed. Daniela Valetti, thank you for sharing this. Um, And she's saying, Catherine, focus on retaining talent would increase, and indeed, the attraction. Companies often ask me to help them for their attraction before thinking of retention. Yes, that's a good thing. Um, I also see that Gary shared a few couple of things. So trust is the bedrock here. And he's saying, hi, Josiah. So thank you. And Rob. (laughs) What is your thought seed? What do you want to plant in people's minds?
1: Uh, my hope is that, um, you know, we, we, take, we take the best out of this crisis and it's, it's been a period of huge disruption. You know, it, it's, it's the most disruptive thing to happen in, in, in our sort of lives, I think. And uh, we take the best out of the agility and flexibility that we are managing at the moment with the best out of uh, work life. I mean, I, I'm very much, um, I'm very much old school in, and and sort of love being in the office and love having that interaction of being uh, around other people. So my hope is that we can we can take the the best of what we're doing at the moment with the best of being surrounded by your co-workers within the office place going forward.
2: Well, fundamentally, I, I suppose I, I am a technologist at, at heart, uh, but um, the danger here is that we run to technology to solve a solution. Uh, technology will be extremely important to us and having the right tools and framework, which we've discussed through this, but they've got to enhance our um, work life. Um, and so it's the right social collaboration tools and I think we've got to find the the way that we get better feedback from employees, the tool set that is a continual aid to someone that's feeding back to us as an organization, how our employees are feeling on a, on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. And then as leaders, how can we use that information to make better decisions to support us? And I think technology will be important, but I think a lot of organizations will dive to technology and there'll be too much of it. And we've got to get the balance right.
0: Mark?
3: Um, just reiterating what I've said before, really, set measurable goals and follow them up empathically. Um, everybody's home situation is going to be different. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, w- we can't we can't uh, treat employees as a blanket. Same for everybody. We need to be understanding who they are. And I think it comes back to what Andrew was saying. We need to know who they are in order to then know how best to to get that balance but 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 the key to unmicromanaging micromanaging is to set those goals well.
4: Catherine? Yes um, I think it's it's all about the relationship you have with your employees I know a lot of people always say that your people are your most important asset it's actually the relationship you have with them and, and kind of think about your relationships you have outside of work would you treat your family and friends the same way that you treat some of your employees so look at it as a relationship you have with an actual person and i think that might change the mindset a little bit so be a bit more mindful of that
0: yes gary
5: yeah for, for me Vivian, it's just stay curious like at home and at work just don't just keep challenging beliefs of yourself and others in a healthy way have the debates but but know we're all accountable jointly and it isn't just down to leaders to yeah. make sure that this happens going forward it's down to all of us
0: I mean, also, uh, I know that a lot is on the shoulders of leaders at the moment. So I would say leaders also need support. Leaders also need help Mm -hmm. and know that, you know, there are a lot of people out there that are supporting Mm -hmm. leaders. So know that you don't have to do it alone. And regarding to my thought seed is um, really pay attention to um, your people when it comes to their mental well-being or when it comes to their financial well-being and know that together, you can do this, right? We are in it together, but as long as you know how to treat your people, trust your people, support them, uh, and also be transparent during these times, I think then and only then will you get the most out of people. So I would like to say thank you, thank you, thank you for all the panel members. I really love this uh, conversation and if it was up to me, I would do this for hours, but we can't. We have to be mindful of our Zooming (laughs) and our virtual meeting, but know that this um i'm happy with the remix and i hope that you enjoyed it as well and uh thank you for watching and maybe next time bye thank you you. bye thank you very much
1: Bye. Bye -bye. Bye bye